Bonjour. Bonjour. Comment ça va? Uh, mon nom est Corinne. <laughs> I asked how you were. Oh, that's so much French, I know. Welcome to our podcast. Two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. This is the French edition. Because Sabrina will be in Paris, so we are recording Paris. this early. I can't wait to go. I'm extremely Yay. jealous. You're going to have chocolate croissants like every day. So much food. You, I like all I've done is research places to eat, and I think I have ten restaurants for every single day. So that would um, be fun. Oh, never mind. You're a vegetarian. I was going to say, have you ever had escargot? No, 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 no. I have not. I just had it last year for the first time, and Ugh. I was very freaked out because it's they're snails, snails, and they're slimy. It was delicious. Ew. It just melts in your mouth, all the snail guts and all. Mmm, sounds delicious. Mm. And that is Corinne. And, oh my god, I almost said, and I am Did Sabrina. Did you forget mine? <laughs> <laughs> and that is Sabrina. <laughs> it's. But I thought you almost forgot my name, which is, I'm glad you almost called yourself Sabrina. <laughs> no, I almost said, and I am Sabrina. <laughs> We've switched bodies. It's, it's Freaky Friday. That early. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's great. Here we are, very professional, always know what's going on. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are unable to speak English. It's you yeah. guys are witnessing every single episode, fewer words are used. The deterioration of brains. <laughs> There's more confusion. This is actually a study being done by a scientific research facility, and you guys had no idea, but they've just given us microphones and said, go. It just and Yeah, then, they picked us knowing that we would <laughs> become dumber and dumber every day. <laughs> we're, we're great. We're great. We may we're not doing. excel in speaking, but we're excelling in this, in this study. Yes. We're giving them exactly what they wanted. This is the one thing that we'll ever do great. <laughs> our one claim to fame oh gosh it's not funny to joke about because people do deteriorate his brain in brains they do and i will i have a book recommendation i know i've talked about it before but still alice is one of the most powerful books <gasps> yes. i've ever read it's about a woman with early onset alzheimer's and it's written from her perspective as she goes through this oh my gosh so powerful i try to make every single person read it i'm adding it to my list so when I get when I get back from Paris, I'm bringing like six books with me, which is just stupid because I'm not going to read them all. Right. You're going to be trying to see Paris, not. But it's vacation. I want to read. But that's yeah. That's like a beach vacation, though. You're going to Europe to experience the, the sights and smells and the, the food. people. See what a normal por portion size is. That's always the most thrilling part for me and most frustrating. Mama needs more. But yeah, then I'll order like three plates instead of just one. I'm an American. I like food. When I was in Switzerland with my family, we were out at dinner. Actually, my, my parents weren't with us. It was just my brother and I and then a few other friends because there were some other families on the same trip as us. And we went to this place and we ordered burgers and fries and they gave us the tiniest burger and a small cluster of fries. And we we're like, oh, my gosh. Is this what we're supposed to be eating? So we <laughs> ate it all. We looked around and we're like, we're starving. <laughs> and then they came out with a second course. For some reason, they, they split it up and gave it to you in two different courses. The same no meal. Way. So we just got another burger and another set of fries. And we're like, oh, whoa. Why not That's just so make strange. it big? Never heard of that. It was very interesting. At least you didn't go hungry. We didn't. Oh, and there's another book I have to recommend in. Recommend. I'm just feeding into this study of our brains. Um, recommend. It's called Confessions of a Sociopath, which is similarly written from the point of view of someone who is a sociopath and is aware of it and how, like, it's just, it's super interesting. She's a high powered, successful woman. Oh, it's a, yeah, okay. And she's a sociopath and she just, she still has feelings and that's what she clarifies is that she has feelings, but she does things based on what will help her and she doesn't care about others. So once someone stops becoming useful to her, she like realizes and is acknowledges the fact that she stops 
being friends with him and then she tries to correct that. That's so interesting because it sounds exactly like the book that I've talked about before too, The Psychopath Inside. Yes. It's also interesting. Like when you think of psychopaths and you think of sociopaths, a lot of times people feel kind of like that you want to keep these types of people at an arm's distance. But you also have to remember that these are people and while they don't have the same feelings or the same amounts of empathy or whatever as us, psychopath and sociopath does not equal serial killer. Most of them are not serial killers. And so it's interesting to read these books and see that they're trying to navigate life and read their relationships and correct their behavior. And that they're being introspective. Yeah, it's right. a, it's an interesting perspective on life from someone who has a completely different take on everything. It actually reminds me a bit of um if if you haven't watched this Netflix series, you have to watch it. Atypical about <gasps> I love Atypical. So good. It's about a boy with high functioning autism. Um, I know that there's that whole debate out in the world, like high functioning versus low functioning autism. I don't know enough to say anything about it, but same. Um, yeah, it's about a boy with high functioning autism and it's about his journey of trying to fit in in high school and learn from his therapist and from his family Mm -hmm. what, yeah, and how he should navigate life. Yeah. It's, it's so well done. All of the characters are extremely interesting. The mother, the father, the sister. Yes. There are many storylines within the major storyline. Yeah. I think it's so well done. I really enjoy it. All right. And that has been our corner where we recommend books and movies (laughs) and TV shows. Yay. (laughs) Should we just jump into our story? Why not? Who's first? I have no idea. I don't know. You, You go. Okay. We're doing museums. Yes, haunted museums. Haunted museums. Haunted museums. Musée, musée in French. All right. Okay. So this museum, I have to preface, is not – it's not that it's extremely terrifying and riddled with spirits, but it has some very interesting ghostly images that have appeared. Okay. Okay. It's over in the UK. Okay. And it's in the English town of Devon. It's a little museum that has had a lot of action from the spirit world. It's called Torquay Museum. And it's found itself in the news quite a few times because of the CCTV footage and also just photographs people have taken within the museum. So all these things I'm going to talk about, you guys can Google and actually see the photos that are associated with each of these stories oh that's cool it's like a little picture book yeah the museum was built in 1844 so it's not that old especially for a european building 1844 1844 yeah okay pretty new it's almost a baby pretty decent and the museum contains around 350,000 artifacts some of the more predominant pieces include agatha christie an Agatha Christie gallery, um, which has some of her personal belongings, and also Britain's oldest human fossil. It's a what? mummy of a four-year-old boy who died 2,500 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Paranormal investigators and ghost hunting groups are attracted to the museum, obviously. Uh, right. And the museum isn't very shy about it. They host events and ghost tours and um, – Many of the things that have been found on these tours are what has made this museum very popular in the news in terms of paranormal activity. And I was looking at one of the ghost tours that you could sign up for, and it comes with tea and coffee and (laughs) what what was it called? It was like biscuits or something. Yeah. Whatever they call cookies over there. Biscuits. And I was like, ooh, this sounds good. They feed you. That sounds nice. Anything that comes with food is a good thing to do. Especially, you're going to be so nervous. you got to eat, 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 eat your feelings before you go catch some ghosts. Yeah. Less than two years ago, on October 20th, 2016, CCTV footage captured leaflets f- seeming to, like, fly off of the shelf. Whoa. With some force. Like a ghost yes. taking them off? 
And there were two people in, I think it was in the museum like shop. And there were two people present at the time, both worked for the museum. One of them was museum researcher David Wills. And he walked over to the leaflets to investigate like what happened, just basically pick up the leaflets. And more of them just flew out and like poured (gasps) over his head. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And he and the other employee quickly made their way out of the room. And then they went and they told (laughs) the manager, Carl Smith, what had happened. And Smith did not believe him. But he was like, I guess I'll check the CCTV footage to see what happens since you're so crazy and whatever. (laughs) You're a nut. I don't believe you. Yeah. And lo and behold, there it was. And apparently the following day, Agatha, an Agatha Christie novel flew off the same bookcase, presumably by the hands of the same spirit. Do you think it's Agatha Christie? I wouldn't put it past Agatha Christie. I mean, this chick like faked her own death for like 10 days or something. But then they also have all her belongings there. So it would make sense that she's there. It's possible. I wouldn't put it past her. But um, so you can actually see footage if you just YouTube it of the leaflets flying off of the shelf. That's cool. I like that there's proof behind these because I think it's so easy to be like, oh, that's not real. It didn't happen when there's no proof. Mm-hmm. But when you see it, it's like, well, now what? Right. Now what are you going to say? A year before, in 2015, a paranormal investigative group was making their way through the museum. They were in an exhibit that was dressed up to look like um, an old English farmhouse from like 300 years ago. So they were mm-hmm. snapping some photos, as you do on a ghost hunt. And <laughs> they captured a photo which has both believers and skeptics at battle. In the photo, it's almost completely dark, but there is this sort of like fiery light that lights up what? a woman. <gasps> so this a woman was caught on camera who wasn't there. Whoa. It's the upper half of her. She's a blonde woman. She doesn't seem that odd either, which is interesting because she's just wearing like a black low cut shirt and she's sporting some cleavage. And she just looks like someone you would see today. And so people are really unsure and like skeptics are very unsure about the woman because of her appearance. She's not like this olden time ghost. She's she's a modern ghost. She has cleavage, which <laughs> I don't think any ghosts normally have sported that look. So, whoa, wait, this is OK. Everyone always talks about how ghosts are always like these old Victorian time ghosts. But mm-hmm. this may they're not all victorian ghosts i know and so these people some people skeptics are arguing that this sexy ghost as they call her (laughs) isn't a ghost at all but instead it's the reflection of someone that was on the hunt perhaps reflected in some display glass it's Hmm. possible but the paranormal investigative group and the museum employees like their staff are certain that it is a ghost because they said the angle at which the photo was taken seems to suggest that the woman's lower half would have been below the floor level. So it was only really the top half of her body. Whoa. As though she was kind of like Okay, I'm looking it up. Between two Oh my gosh. And then additionally, the museum curator, who was also present at the time, said that no one else was present in the room at that time when the photo was taken. So it couldn't be a reflection of another patron. Wait, this is – I'm looking at the photo. I like looking along with you. Yeah, she's really pretty. She's really pretty, and she's, like, bending over, showing off her cleavage. Yeah, sexy ghost, man. She found her right lighting. She's got some, like, the glow of the fire in front of her. <laughs> it's a ghost photo shoot. She knows what she's doing. The same year, this time October 16th of 2015, the museum was hosting a special late-night event called Night at the Museum, where customers could hear some of the crazy stories behind the artifacts, um, and they could even try to contact spirits alongside the paranormal investigative group. One of the employees noted how much paranormal activity seemed to be picking up during the event, was just sensing some things, and one event made headlines. The mummy case, which holds the four-year-old Egyptian child, 
had fingerprints appear on the inside of the glass. Oh, what? Two fingers and a thumbprint. (gasps) And the case had not been opened for eight years. And this fingerprint was fresh. It had not been there before. There are plenty of people that go through the museum, check on everything, clean things, and it was not there. And I know some people are probably thinking like, well, someone at the event may have just reached in when no one was looking. But let me provide you with this tidbit of information. Please do. Eight years prior, when the case was last opened, it took about seven men to remove the case. So, so you, unless there were seven men sneaking the case open, it's not possible. It's it's that just didn't happen, you know. So it appeared Whoa. and no one knows how. And the staff swears that the fingerprints were not there at the start of the event after they had like looked over some of the the items that were going to be shown at the event. Even creepier than the mystery fingerprints, I think are that they captured the spirit of a mummy. The same one? No, which is so interesting. So a ghost hunting team captured the mummy when they were photographing and filming the museum. And on the footage and photos, the team later noticed that the face of a mummified woman had been captured. Whoa. No one that was present at the time saw anything amiss, but the photo suggests that they were not alone and the facial features are relatively clear and there almost seems to be sort of like a hand cupped at the bottom of the photo as if although the photo was taken as if the person is standing upright the hands kind of cradled at the bottom is almost as if they were resting laying down horizontally you know with their hands on their stomach so it's interesting. interesting and it makes me wonder if this is the mother of the boy that was actually the first thought that came into my head and that she like wants to be with him. Right. So she followed him right on over to the museum. I also wonder if maybe two things or two options. One, if they died together, like kind of intertwining their souls in death. So regardless of where one went, the other went with them. Mm. Or the other option is if the son died first and the mom was so heartbroken and like grief stricken that she like that energy attached to her son maybe i mean he was only four years old i know that's so So sad it's very possible but yeah so that those are the major events those are the ones that you can look up all of the photos or cctv footage of um i keep saying cctv it's it's not cctv technically it's just the museum's own cameras. But I just have That's, a habit of saying CCTV. I mean, it's it, it is CCTV for the museum. Right. Community surveillance, just not out <laughs> on the streets. Um, but yeah, Private so surveillance. Aside from these few no- newsworthy events, the museum has had a few other things happen. Uh, they've heard footsteps, banging coming from empty storerooms and mm-hmm. um they've had and used spirit boards quite a bit and have contacted a few spirits via the Ouija boards. We know how that works. Yep. So that is Torquay Museum over in Devon, England. I there it's just so fascinating how there's so many museums out there and that they all each one, I feel like, has an exhibit, at least one exhibit that I really want to see, and it's just going to be impossible to go to all of them. It's tough because, yeah, there are so many, and it's kind of like, how do you prioritize what you want to see? Right. Like my mom, so when I'm in Paris, we're going to the Louvre, and my mom was like, oh, well, you've already been. You don't want to go again. I was like, do you know how massive that museum is? There's no way I saw every single thing in it, and I went like three years ago now so there are going to be new exhibits i was like i absolutely want to go again right and when i went to go see the mona lisa at that time it was so crowded because that thing is tiny and yeah. there were maybe like 600 people around it and it was just impossible to get near it there's a photo that was circulating around online and it's this woman riding the subway and she totally looks like mona lisa <laughs> And someone had posted it and was like, she got out and she's riding the subway. 
there's that um i think google did a app where you can put your picture into it and it will pair you to famous pieces of art and it will, oh like, yeah it says like this is a match this is who you look like i don't think i ever did it don't do it because google will now have your photo of your face and the internet and then the police will be able to find you always they already do have that they have yours too our photos are on our website i know but like i actively chose to put it and give it to google by doing this thing oh yeah google if you google image my face (laughs) you can see my old headshots (laughs) if you google me it's a photo of me dressed up as kesha i'm gonna do it right now sabrina (laughs) i'm gonna do you oh look at this we have a linkedin photo we have the photo the second photo is the one that i posted on our website Oh, show my love YouTube? <laughs> what is this? Oh, I was in Brina, some I'm going to spend some time stalking you as soon as we get off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, my Kesha photo doesn't show up anymore. There's a lot of pictures of ghosts. Google knows everything. Oh my gosh, Corinne, your headshots are so cute. I was 17. For some of them, I was like 19. I don't think I look any different, really. No, you don't. You look the same. Besides my part changing from a side part to a middle part and a little bit of weight gain from having fun in college. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have no idea what you chose. I never looked at the, our little document to see what you put in. Because I also, I just, it's so difficult picking one thing within a topic because there are so many options. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, I don't like making certain ghosts feeling – I don't want ghosts to feel like I picked other ghosts over them. I don't but, think they will. I don't think they'll know. Okay. Well, Corinne, there's a point in my story when I was re- researching last night where I got weird feelings and I'll Ooh. tell you about them when I get there. It's like when I was okay. doing the crone. I don't think they were the same, but it was feelings of like there's a, there's a woman in the story who is reported to be – extremely evil and as i was doing this i got like weird feelings of like this woman wasn't evil and then i started like so you're saying you're a psychic i think so i think that's what i'm saying but i'll get there so i did the thackray the cray i think that's how you say it i did the thackray medical museum which is in leeds west yorkshire england so we both went to england this week um (laughs) And it's a museum of the history of medicine, as implied by its name. It won Museum of the Year in 1998. And after I tell you the story, I think it should win Most Haunted Museum featured on Most Haunted Podcast of 2018. I was in a very corny mood last night when I was writing this, clearly. (laughs) You're the original writer of dad jokes. Oh, that's such an honor. Thank you. Okay, the building opened in 1861 as a Leeds Union workhouse. And then by the end of the 19th century, it became a medical space used to care for the poor. And during World War I, it was called the East Leeds War Hospital, and it accommodated and cared for armed services personnel. Uh, And then it remained remained a hospital until the 1990s when people realized the building was unfit for modern medicine. And so they repurposed the building to be a museum of medical history, which opened in 1997. Uh, It is named after Charles Thackeray, who lived in Leeds and opened a small family-run chemist shop in 1902. And that chemist shop quickly became Britain's principal medical company and grew into a company that manufactured drugs, medical instruments, and pioneered the hip replacement operation. Hmm. Fun fact. Um, But I'll get to the hauntings. Uh, Well, actually, no. Sorry. False alarm. Before I do that, I need to talk about the museum because it sounds so cool. It has, when you go in, they have like an area that's reconstructed as Leeds in 1842. So it looks like a full on it's like as if you were walking on a tv set if you look at photos of it it looks like you've transported into back in time and are living in leeds and then so cool it's so cool and then you can kind of play like it's like a real life game of oregon trail because you can follow these eight characters who are victorian era characters and you follow them as they try to survive 
living amongst rats, fleas, and bed bugs, and then having surgeries prior to have any having anesthesia, anesthesia, anesthesia. But yeah, so it's like Oregon Trail and you kind of follow, you can pick one character to follow and like you're given like, oh no, there's rats. How do you survive? Which is really cool. So then when the building opened as a workhouse in 1861, the living conditions were terrible and people were forced, the people who were forced to go there were people who were poor and had no other means of living. And when they arrived at the workhouse, they were called inmates. That's a, that's interesting yeah it just sounds horrible once they arrived all of their personal items were taken from them families were split up and then the article said that adults were forced into hard labor but it was the 1800s so i imagine that children were also forced into hard labor um and you can only imagine that the deaths of people in those living conditions and then the deaths of soldiers who were in the hospital during world war one would lead to some ghosts there are reports of poltergeist activity, a phantom doctor, ghostly patients, and a dark entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's believed that over, that hundreds of people lost their lives in the building, and um, visitors of the museum will report hearing moaning and guttural cries. Uh, staff members who were there late at night report these sounds deep in the dead of night, and uh, they believe that it's workers and patients that are still suffering all these years later so those sounds are almost like a residual haunting of the horrors that went through that building so when you walk into the museum it's kind of guaranteed that you're going to get spooky vibes but that's because the way it's set up is kind of very macabre where i mean it's a medical museum right so Mm -hmm. there are all these dummies set up in settings of surgeries in times before anesthesia. So there's like dummies that are on the surgical table with blood spattering out of them. And then there's all this old medical equipment and like for lobotomies and uh, all sorts of crazy Victorian era medicinal practices. There's lots of old furniture and exhibits that pertain to all sorts of the history of medicine, which we know wasn't always the most kosher in terms of how we view it today. Right. Um, reported sightings include a 19th century woman known as the Gray Lady, a white-coated doctor who is said to lurk amongst the museum's Victorian streets. And then in the past, visitors have been grabbed by ghostly hands and experienced rapid drops of temperature within the building. Uh, doors will open and close by themselves. Others are said to have heard knocking and banging, which are thought to be ghostly attempts at communication. And a lot of the experiences actually occur in the recreation of the 1840 Leeds Street. Um, and when people walk in there, they'll smell a weird variety of smells. And people believe that the museum actually pumps smells out to make it smell like what a real street in the 1840s smelt like. Which Ew, this is, is my your worst, worst nightmare. I know. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> this is your worst nightmare. <laughs> but um, on top of the smell of meats and bad body odor and whatnot, people also get hints of perfume and something rotten. Ooh. So... The two things that they believe are that there are spirits of, uh, there are spirits of people from the years in the history of the building who might have been wearing perfume and that are walking on the streets because they feel attached to this er- area that looks like what they knew the world to be. Mm-hmm. And then the rotten smell they think might be coming from the evil entity. Oh no. It always happens. Yeah. It's a common common thing that comes with dark entities. Uh, a lot of EVPs actually have been caught in the Museum of Spirits saying things like, I can see you. I can hear you. There's a show called Most Haunted, which is, I, I believe is a British show, and they used a Ouija board and contacted, contacted a spirit. They asked her what her name was, and she said, Elisa. And she asked if how she died, and she spelt out workhouse. 
and they asked how old she was, and she said 61 years old. Wow. They then they then searched workhouse records and found the name Elisa Bailey, 61. Oh, my gosh. There we go. There's the confirmation. Yeah. Yes. Um. Then there's this team called Simply Ghost Nights, which I think they go around to haunted places in the area and spend an evening there of ghost hunting and do ghost hunting. So this group went to the museum and during one of the vigils that they were hosting, they were tapping on the table and almost immediately something tapped back in the same pattern of tapping. So it was like mimicking the taps. Mm-hmm. Um, people saw shadows in the corners of the room. One person saw a shadow right in front of their face as if they were inches away from them and then all of a sudden it just disappeared and there were two women claire and emma who saw a ball of light move over the man a guy from the group his name is Stu. there was a ball of light over his head it went over his head past his shoulder into the background and just faded away that's terrifying yeah and it's actually interesting while they were there they saw all these weird lights which reminded me of the story we did um or i did with the entity the movie the entity and how Mm -hmm. these strange lights were traveling around the room but had no source and weren't traveling the way that that light typically moves because they just saw lights darting around the room traveling in weird patterns so they believed that it was of a spirit and we remember from that story in the uh entity they were not good spirits because that was our incubus and succubus episode. Yes. Also, the woman Claire who had seen that orb over her over Stu's head kind of seemed targeted. There was a ghost that would stroke her back, and one time the ghost stro- stroke her stroked her back, and then immediately there were these three loud, threatening bangs right behind her. As if, like, trying to warn other people to go away because Claire was his or hers. Um, A lot of people who visit the museum actually feel threatened in certain areas. Yeah, I bet. um, And they will excuse themselves from certain areas, which is what brings me to the witch. There's a witch? This is – there's a witch. It's the scariest story from the museum According to reports, there's there are dark demi- demonic things happening in the museum, and it's believed to be connected to the Yorkshire witch, Mary Bateman. According to the research, she was a very, very evil person and is likely the evil lurking in the building to this day. But this is – when I was researching this and reading about it and typing it into my document, I got overwhelmed with the sense of, like, this woman isn't actually evil and – I don't know if it's my feminist in me that doesn't want to talk badly about other women because (laughs) we got to have each other's backs or if um, or if maybe she was communicating with me. I don't know. Um, Anyway, maybe she was a little B-I-T-C-H and then that's that. Yeah. Just because you're female doesn't mean you can't be shitty. Yeah, I know. I just, you know, girl power. Um. But, okay, so I'll talk about her, and then you can decide if she's evil or not. Uh, Mary Bateman, she was known as one of Leeds's most notorious villains, and uh, her husband actually left her. So this is like the 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s. Her husband left her to join the army, but when he joined the army, he said, Mary drove him crazy, and he couldn't deal with her anymore, so I'd rather join the army. Oh, that kind of sounds like that modern day story where that guy went and stole something from the bank so that he could go to jail because he couldn't stand to be with his wife anymore. Yeah. He was in like his 70s and he was just like, take me to jail. (laughs) Corinne? Yeah. Can you hear me? Sabrina? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. There was just a really weird sound in my headphones and it's feeding into my feeling that I should not be talking poorly about Mary. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Keep going. I'm just telling her story. I'm telling her story. Okay. So when her husband joined the army, Mary had no choice but to fend for herself and make her own living. So she began to deal in fortunes and selling charms. In 
1803, she poisoned three people living in St. Peter's Square, and she escaped prosecution by moving around from place to place. Uh, in 1806, she created the prophet hen of Leeds. She claimed the hen would lay eggs that predicted the end of times. And all of the villagers began to panic when the hen began to lay eggs that said, Christ is coming on all of them. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Yeah. She she would put the hen in front of all of the villagers and the hen would lay eggs that said, Christ is coming on all of them. How? And the villagers began – well, because she would write Christ is coming on them and then reinsert them into the hen. Oh, poor – oh, the poor hens. Those chickens. I know. But so all of van- all of vill- villagers began to panic, believing that it actually was the end of time. Yeah, I probably would um, believe that too. I yeah. already did. Just now I was like, how does that happen? <laughs> and Mary actually reminds me of Marie Laveau a little bit because they kind of, they just – they took their current situation and made the best of it and they knew that these things would work and make them money. So they kind of conned a little bit. Um. Uh, eventually, Mary was caught after she poisoned another woman named Rebecca Perigo by feeding her pudding laced with poison. They caught her and they decided to hang her for her crimes. And Mary tried to claim that she was pregnant in order to evade being hung. But then they realized through examination that she wasn't actually pregnant. And so she was to be hung. But that's not all. And... um. Just a warning, it does get a little graphic. So if you want to skip ahead, maybe skip ahead like – sorry, not you, Corinne. But if you want to <laughs> skip ahead, maybe a 30 seconds would be good. Okay. So they thought that this was the perfect opportunity to conduct a public dissection of a human body and anyone could attend the event for a fee. And these funds would go towards the new infirmary. So hundreds of people gathered in the town and they just watched Mary be hung and then – they watched as the the scientists and doctors cut her body down, displayed her on a table in the middle of all these townspeople, and performed an autopsy. People watched as they pulled back her skin and flayed it off the body and Ew. then tanned it and sold the pieces of skin to the viewers as a way to ward off spirits. Like, oh, what? You you go home with that. Yeah, and so it's, it just seems like very hypocritical of them because Mary – the whole thing Mary, – Mary's whole thing was to – her her whole career was pretending that she could be um, – that she can ward off spirits and help, you know. she That was like what she was doing. She was selling charms and providing fortunes with people and then they realized it was a con and then when she died, they sold off her – body parts as a way to ward off spirits it just seems hypocritical Mm -hmm. and now her skeleton minus its arms and legs hang in the museum her actual body yes is her actual skeleton is in the museum correct whoa this is kind of like what you're saying about when the body when someone passes there are ways to respectfully and not so respectfully treat the body and i don't know about right hanging someone in the museum when they were murdered yeah and uh it's believed that not only her skeleton came but so did her spirit um and there's two theories on mary because some people believe that mary was just an evil person and that her spirit is evil but then other people believe that mary when she lived in the 1800s was actually possessed by an evil entity and when mary died that evil entity was released and that is the entity that haunts the museum Oh, okay. So either way, there's an evil spirit and people feel it inside the museum. So children and staff staff members specifically try to avoid the area of Leeds Street because they get a really eerie feeling when they go to see it. So I imagine like groups of children on a field trip for school going and refusing to go down the Leeds Street area of the museum. Mm Mm-hmm. The show Most Haunted also had a voice speak to them in a guttural tone. And I was – this is what I was watching last night and I was terrified because they had – they were talking and then all of a sudden this deep guttural voice goes, no. Oh. 
as if like get out almost. Yeah. Um, I had to stop watching the show because it was too scary. Um, yeah. Whenever but they, they heard- provide actual like EVP recordings, it freaks me <sighs> the hell out. And the lighting is always like it's always done in in dark lighting, only lit by flashlights or camera lenses. Yeah. So, no mm. bueno. Um, the show, the people on the show actually were hearing loud banging, knocks, and tapping. And one of the main guys had to be calmed down multiple times because in multiple places in the building, he was, he felt attacked and his heart started racing, you know, all those things that we talk about when spirits are around. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to end it in a lighthearted note. So when the show Most Haunted was in the museum, they heard a ghost go, and i'm just imagining a really cool spirit who was like okay this is what people think ghosts sound like so i'm gonna give them what they want and then (laughs) did the like ghost sound and i'm like i just want to be friends with that ghost that is really funny (laughs) (laughs) give the people what they want yeah i wonder where that actually came from because most typically you hear ghosts saying words or evps that are caught it's like it's not the ghost sound that we have come to believe is i wonder maybe if it came from because that that sound sounds like the wind on really windy nights like going Mm. through chimneys and whatnot so i wonder if maybe like way back when when they were telling stories and were had all this like folklore and all these beliefs that maybe the sound of the wind was the sound of the spirits coming through. That's possible. That's that my theory. Sense. I believe it. I believe it. That makes the most sense. Um, so, yeah, if you want to visit the museum, it sounds really cool. So you can go. It's open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. And then uh, they also do ghostly experiences, but they, they're kind of more rare. But they have two upcoming ones. One is Friday, July 13th, Friday the 13th, and it's an overnight, so it's 8 a.m. to 2 a.m., and then they also have a ghost hunt for Halloween on October 26th, again, from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Well, that is probably not something that I would want to participate in. (laughs) I don't want to smell the smells of a demon. You also don't want to smell the smell of 1840 England. No, no, I'll, I'll take a back seat this time (laughs) just listen to other people's experiences yeah yeah you'll stay at home um okay should we read listener stories yes yes we should it's called ghost sheriff protected my dumb teenage paranormal investigator ass (laughs) hey y'all i wanted to share my story of when i was a teenage paranormal investigator i have a video of evidence we found and i'm going to attach it Oh, I'll have to watch that. I've always been obsessed with ghosts and other paranormal stuff since I was a kid. When I was 17, I got my first car and promptly went online and found a group of amateur ghost hunters on (laughs) meetup.com. That's so funny. (laughs) I love that that's her first thing she does. I have a car. I can go ghost hunting now. (laughs) After talking online for a couple of days, we planned to meet up. At a local Burger King where I went completely alone and met up with half a dozen middle-aged adults. And after we ate dinner, I got in the car with these strangers and went to a deserted cemetery in the middle of the woods. Yep. (laughs) Of course, I told absolutely no one, especially not my parents, (laughs) where I was going after I snuck out at night. This was before smartphones, so I was completely at the mercy of these weird strangers. (laughs) Yep. Thankfully, nothing happened to me, although adult me would never do anything that stupid or brave now, but I was hooked. I just, there's like a, sometimes I miss that naive, like the naivety, what's it called? Naivete, the ignorance of being a teenager. I will say I never snuck out and I didn't, I never kept where I was from my parents. But I think that goes to my own paranoia as well about like, who's going to save me? Oh, I snuck out a lot. Really? Yeah. I always told them where I was, but it kind of got to the point where I was able to do that because my parents had seen 
my friends lied to their parents. And I said, do you want to know where I am or do you not want to know where I am? Because I'm going to go no matter what. So you can either know or I can give you a lie like my other friends do. And they said, we would like to know. And I said, okay, cool. And that's how it went from then on out. Wow. I was bossy. You you still are. <laughs> it's a good thing, though. Here are your two options. One of them is shitty. One of them is great. Choose. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. smart. It's a tactic. It's a good tactic. We started an official group of ghost hunters, and we got to be actually pretty popular. We had a feature in magazines and did interviews with the news outlets and got to investigate historic landmarks near us. That's so cool. That is so cool. One place we got to visit was the Crime and Punishment Museum in Ashburn, Georgia. The museum is an old county jail that was built in 1906 and used until 1993. There were multiple hangings in the execution area upstairs and nearly a century of inmates upstairs. Wow. All while the sheriff and his wife and children lived in the apartment downstairs. Could that you imagine growing up in a up. prison? His children grew up in a prison. Yeah, that's... Mm. The museum has a parlor room and original furniture, a ball and chain, an electric chair, a collection of prison weapons, a KKK uniform, and a display of famous last meal requests hanging up in what was once the last meal cafe, a small cafe built in the jail's kitchen. But most importantly to my story is a framed cat of the nine tails, a leather whip that was actually used so much that it had only three tails left before it was retired. Jeez. In Georgia, in the old days, it was perfectly legal for a sheriff or his deputy to beat and whip prisoners. It doesn't really make sense. You know, you punish someone for being bad by being bad to them. It doesn't make sense, but I feel like that is a common thing, not only in the old days, but still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. A kid lashes out and the parents spank the child. Right. Doesn't quite make sense to me, but anyway. So much so that the little old lady that lived next door to the jail filed a complaint with the county commissioners because she was tired of hearing folks being whipped and beaten year after year. To strike a compromise, the sheriff agreed he would check to see if she was home first. In a small town, you can do that. That is just nuts. (laughs) Anyway, my ghost group got the in to investigate. We broke up into different sections to investigate with our dowsing rods, EMF meters, cameras, and recorders. Myself and this guy that I'll call Ken were up in the general population section of the jail where males were held. We were the only ones on the second floor. Everyone was downstairs in the apartment, and it was completely dark because the upstairs doesn't have electricity anymore. We had headlamps and flashlights wandering around and looking for spirits. All of a sudden, I heard a loud whack and Ken screams. This was a nearly 50-year-old grown man who I have never heard, who I had never heard raise his voice, yet alone actually scream. I run over to him and he's shaken and freaking out. He said he just felt something scratch down his back in the middle of his shoulder blades. I radioed to the folks downstairs and they came running up. I've attached a link to the video of the results. Please forgive my thick country accent. (laughs) Ken had a long welt down the middle of his back. He was a short man with short arms, and the placement of the injury ran down his spine and in the middle of his back. There was absolutely no way it could have been self-inflicted, and we were the only two people on the second floor. We were all pretty excited and Ken wanted to continue investigating after we took a short break outside, but I don't remember anything else spooky happening that night. I stayed in that group ghost group for about three years until one day when Ken's wife was out of town for a week, he got very insistent that I come over to their house. I had a dreadful feeling about it, which was weird because I'd been around Ken for a long time and never had issues with him. He told me that he had a t- he had to talk to me about something face to face, but I refused and instead stayed on the phone with him. Eventually, he started saying really weird sexual and lewd stuff to me that he was lonely and wanted me to come over since his life wife wasn't home. I was heartbroken because I thought we were friends and that he wasn't like that. 
And when I told him how gross he was being, he started accusing me of coming on to him and being a tease, etc. So horrible. <laughs> I hung up and I texted his wife about it and never spoke to any of them again. Good girl. Good for her. I'm that is one, it's like it takes a lot of courage to stand up to an asshole like that and then two to text his wife and be like your husband's a dick yeah i'm glad she i told hope the that wife it, because that could have been the last straw yeah. for her you know it could have happened plenty yeah. of other times and yeah and she, the wife would have w- probably wouldn't have known otherwise so i'm glad that she told her yeah flash forward 10 years later through some twists of fate i am actually now the tour guide at the jail museum so cool I am over there nearly every weekday giving tours and I'm often over there alone when I'm working on cleaning up or getting ready for events. I've absolutely never felt uncomfortable, scared, or weirded out at the jail for the past three years that I've worked there. Although sometimes I do get the feeling of not being alone. (laughs) I believe the spirit of one of the former sheriffs was there with us that night and that he hit Ken with the whip because the sheriff knew he was no good and it wasn't safe Mm -hmm. for me to be up there with him alone. That's that could be true. Now, when I do my tours alone with my tourists, I always bring my cell phone keys and listen to my gut if I think they might cause me problems and text someone to tell them I'm doing a tour. But feeling like the sheriff is watching over me gives me the greatest comfort. Sorry, my story was so long, but I wanted to tell you all about it. If you're ever down in South Georgia near me, please come to the museum and book a tour. Heck yes. Thank you for the best spooky podcast ever, Ashley. So crazy. So cool. I love that her lesson learned was to communicate to people and let her let them know where she is at all times. I know. In such contrast to how she first started out. Right. Venturing into the museum by sneaking out at night and not telling her parents. Yeah. Man, I like that, though. This is like a protective ghost, most likely. Yeah. And in a place that like. I mean, the sheriff, his job was to be around criminals, right? And prison inmates. So, like, did he have a feeling of, like, oh, I've been around these people my whole life and this guy, Ken, is giving me the vibes that, of these prisoners? Yes. And Ken Ken was in his 50s and Ashley was just able to drive. So, yeah, she was a 17-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, 16, 17. That's creepy. Short yes. Ken with the stubby arms. No, no, no. <laughs> Just say no always. And never put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Right. I just like I, I like s- that she she was like it started to feel weird and she decided not to go meet with him, which who knows what what would have happened if she did go meet with him, you know? Yeah, I never feel pressured. Just say no. It's my favorite word and I have no problem saying it. <laughs> so you should take one from my book and just say no. Just say no. No, 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 no. I actually, some guy in CVS came up to me one time and started, this is like obnoxious of me, but it worked well. Um, Some guy in CVS came up and started saying like weird, creepy sexual stuff to me. And I just screamed, rape! Oh my gosh. And he (laughs) ran. He ran out of CVS. And I walked up to the front and then I told them what happened and they walked me to my car. So it works. Ask yeah, for help. never be afraid of asking for help because call people out. There's no harm in asking for help, and there's no harm in being afraid and feeling like your life is threatened. But always, you want to survive. Have to judge the situation too, because while I was in a public place in CVS and this guy was just being creepy, and I was able to yell, there are certain situations where you know you got to make the right judgment call because, right, it you also risk it not going as well. So. Just use your instincts. Yeah. Like we always say, let's your gut. gut. Use your instincts, yeah. especially too when it comes to paranormal activity. If you don't feel safe in a space, get out. Yeah. Because it also could mean also, not only that there might be a spirit present, but having a bad feeling, I wonder if good spirits can make a space feel unsafe to encourage <gasps> someone to leave Ooh. so that they avoid something bad that would potentially happen. Oh, I like that. I wonder. Yeah. Man, I really wish I had a, like a protective ghost that came around with me all the all the time. You might. 
you might have one now Maybe. and you don't realize that you do because you are protected. So you don't realize that all the bad stuff would happen. <laughs> That's true. Nothing bad has happened to me lately. Yeah. All right. What do you have? Okay. I have one. Okay. This is from Courtney. Currently, I am a museum director in Lake Placid, New York, two hours from Burlington, Vermont. Yes. I've been to Lake Placid. Yes. I actually have, have two. You, oh, you have? Yeah. When did you My go? sister had a skating competition there. So we went and they it was like the lake was all frozen over and they had these little mini igloos on the uh, on the lake. Wait, that sounds so cool. It was really cool. And I think they had like, uh, what's it called? Dog sleds and you can ride them across the lake. Oh my gosh, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. It was really pretty. Okay. I've worked in museums throughout college and now I'm in my early 20s. The last three museums I've worked at are haunted, but I am not sensitive to ghostly vibrations like my boyfriend. We will get to him later in this email. One museum I worked at that had the most activity was the Herkimer Home State Historic Site in Little Falls, New York. It was a Revolutionary War hero, Nicholas Herkimer, who died in this ma mansion from battle wounds attained during the Battle of Orskanae, Orskanae, in the Battle of Oriskanay in August of 1777. We even had a public ghost tour while I worked there, and the CNY ghost hunters recorded EVPs in the visitor center loft, the roof cellar, and in the mansion. A medium also visited the site and warned us that the woods near the cemetery are dangerous with angry spirits of the Mohawk Indians who died during the war and told us to stay away from the woods. Myself and the other employees would hear people walking in the visitor center while we were in the employee office downstairs below. There would be thuds when no one was upstairs and murmuring. One time, I was working the front desk and talking to my coworker, Brad, who was my age too. We were just flirty talking when we heard a man's voice from the upstairs loft say something. We stopped talking and looked at each other. Did you hear that? I asked Brad. He nodded. Look in the loft. I'll look down here, I said, assuming a visitor was here and we were being unprofessional employees and didn't notice someone silently walk in. Brad went upstairs to the loft that overlooks the front desk. I looked downstairs into the very, very small cent visitor center and no one was there but us. When we brought people in for tours, the 18th century pipes would always be in a different position. They would face different directions and be turned over. We tried several methods to make the pipes move on their own, but nothing worked. Similarly, in the basement kitchen, where slaves would cook and live, the wooden spoons would move around too. They would be flipped over and be in different spots, and all of us swore we didn't touch them. At a different museum, the Oneida Community Museum House, a 93,000-square-foot mansion that was once said to be home to a utopian society, I worked in the museum collections and came across a file that said, Ghosts. I obviously opened it, and it contained ghost stories from former employees and residents of the mansion house. That is so cool. So cool. That is the best treasure you could ever find. Ever. Just a file. I'm going to leave a file on my desk that says ghosts. <laughs> but I guess that's not that surprising because everyone in my office knows I do a ghost podcast. People probably wouldn't even open it. <laughs> no. Be I'll like, just start oh. leaving files on other people's desks. That Another day in Sabrina's life. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, this museum is also a hotel and an apartment building, which is crazy. Many residents report hearing children's laughter late at night and kids running through the hallways when no children are there piano piano music will be played from the grand hall and one resident would hear someone walking into the locked attic above her apartment moving furniture late in the night that reminds me of dear david <laughs> one resident of the utopian society actually lived in the attic during the 1800s and they held seances up there during the spiritualism awakening era in central new york Guests have stayed the night and taken their own photos of orbs and shadows in the hallways. Night receptionists would sometimes hear people walking down the hallway to their office or see sh or see shadows flutter past their office door, but no one was there. I worked night reception in a few times a month when they needed someone to, but I'm not sensitive to the spirit world, so I always felt comfortable. I would wander the hallways at night and sometimes feel like I was being watched. I assumed they liked me since I was preserving their home and old objects. So daring, just walking around like, la-di-da, I know people are watching me, but. Yeah, but I guess if you're not open or if you're not as sensitive to it, it's kind of like the ignorance is bliss. But she still felt like people were watching her. 
Yeah, but she didn't feel uncomfortable. I like the idea that like they they liked her because she was protecting and preserving their home. I still always feel uncomfortable, even if I don't think it's a threatening spirit. Just the fact that I can't see them and they can see me. That's enough. Yeah, I don't like people looking at me in general, so I feel that. <laughs> I like to hide. Okay. Now, my boyfriend is very sensitive to spirits and energy changes, and his family owns Beardsley Castle, which I've heard about before this, which I think it is the coolest thing that her boyfriend owns. It. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, I'm trying it. to... I'm trying you can, to if remember you Google search it, what you might it recognize is. it. Well, I'll tell you. It is known for being haunted and was featured on Ghost Hunters, the TV show. Um, and she added a side note that Ghost Hunters actually don't stay the entire night, but only a few hours, which I don't blame them. It's so scary. My boyfriend and visitors are 110% convinced that the castle is haunted. Last winter, my boyfriend was painting the floor in the basement and suddenly smelt strong floral perfume. He was alone and the castle was closed. He has heard murmurs before and the employees will admit that the faucets turn on and off by themselves. Items will move when they have their backs turned. Lights will flicker and they hear unexplained footsteps. When we first began dating, he took me on the tour of the castle late at night to impress me. (laughs) We were alone and the castle was locked up for the night. That is... The dream date. Yeah, that's a good date. That's a good way to get yourself a girlfriend real fast. Yeah. Find yourself a guy with the castle. <laughs> that's going to be tough. Uh, he said the upstairs woman's bathroom is very haunted, so we went into the bathroom. We turned off all of the lights, sat, and waited. Not even two minutes in, we heard a distant yet distinct woman scream like a yodel coming from the mirror. In the mirror? In the mirror. This is, but we've this said adds that to mirrors, my hatred of mirrors. I know. Because mirrors are like portals. <laughs> we bolted from the bathroom and left the castle as soon as possible. His family has owned the castle for his entire life and they live next door to it, but he still hates going there alone at 23 years old. He even recorded orbs on his phone around the property and swears there's a black ghost dog that lurks around in the shadows of the woods. If you look into the history of Beardsley, it was part of the Underground Railroad and had several explosions during the Revolutionary War that killed Native Americans. The castle is 10 minutes from the Herkimer Home Museum I worked at, hence the Revolutionary War connection. All of these experiences have occurred in the past one and a half years since the summer of 2016 when I worked at these museums and met my boyfriend. I never really experienced anything paranormal and i'm glad because my career is centered on very old houses and old objects um but a idea for future podcasts is to discuss haunted museum objects and haunted museums or historic homes there are a lot out there thanks for reading all of this courtney i i just there's so much that i have to say because i think she leads maybe the coolest life (laughs) yeah she's practically a princess in a haunted castle. That is so cool. I love the idea of spending all day in these historic places. Right. But if you're going to do that, like she said, it's probably best that she's not as sensitive to spirits. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because instead she just kind of gets the feelings every once in a while instead of seeing people standing there looking at her. <laughs> Exactly. But the scream yeah. from the mirror. Oh, I know. I would be scarred. I'm I'm scarred from just seeing twice now I've seen people pass behind me in mirrors in mirrors that you cannot do that. So it's so scary. I hate I can't look when I get ready because like this morning I woke up at 5 a.m. in order to record and I had to get ready in the pitch black and my bathroom is just all mirrors. And then behind it is all mirrors on my closet. And I had to get dressed in the middle of that. And I was terrified. Because if you see something in your mirror, it's going to be like times 30. Because the reflection is just like. Or it will only be one, which will be like, oh, that's off. Doesn't your mirror do the thing, though? I know. But what if a ghost defies that? Like how vampires can't be seen in mirrors. If they choose to just, what if they chose to just appear in one of their reflections, but like in the middle? So not the first one, but like the oh, 17th like one. way back? Yeah. I'd almost prefer that because I wouldn't notice it in the dark. Maybe. Or what if you do? What if they peek out and they're moving <sighs> around and so it catches your attention? Nope. 
Nope. Nope. Let's not talk about that. I know. We sorry. Stop recording this early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You'll so scary. be fine. We're all okay. You guys, please send us your ghost stories because we love reading them and we love sharing them with you guys on the podcast. Um, we really do make an effort to read everyone's emails. We just, we have a lot of emails coming in. So it takes us a little bit of time. So be patient with us. We, um, love receiving your emails so you can send as many as you want and you can share as many stories as you want just send them to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and we have social media we have instagram we have twitter we have a facebook page that you can like that's sort of just like a business page and then we have a facebook group that you can request to join you just have to answer two questions and then you'll be uh in the group it's completely private, so anything you post will not be seen by your Facebook friends unless they, too, are a part of the group. And we have iTunes, so please rate and review us and um, show us your support. Yes, we also have Patreon. So uh, if you would like to support our podcast in that way by donating – uh, that would be awesome. We also have merchandise yes. out, so you can rep some merch. Yes. All right. We will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very spooky.